Greetings and welcome once again to another edition of The Brattlecast. Stories about books, old, rare, and out of print. Actually, much more than just books, as you'll find out. The people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them and other things. And with us, of course, is the proprietor of the world-renowned, legendary Brattle Bookshop on West Street in Boston. He is Ken Gloss, and it's great to see you. And you always come loaded with goodies for me to take a look at and for us to talk about. I, I do, and but I, it, they're fun. I like <laughs> to see things. And it's uh, sometimes when you think about collecting books in an old bookstore, you really think about everything's rare and esoteric and out of reach and scholars. Food's fun. And then, and then there are a million different things of food, and uh, I bought a large collection. But within that collection, and this is only a small portion, there must have been 50 different brochures for how to make jello. Well, can we start for the audience that's under the age of 50, maybe? Uh, 40. Maybe. Explain a little bit about Jell-O and how popular it was, what it actually is. I mean, in a weird way, we should tell people what we're talking about Well, well, Jell-O is a gelatin uh, that they put together and add a lot of sugar to. Right. And and when you have it, you can add coloring, and it jiggles because it's not a – it's a solid but not You can put it in molds. And and you put it in molds and you put things in it. The other thing that's nice about it is it's very colorful. And yeah. and because it's a gelatin, and depending on how much color, sometimes light can shine through it. Oh, yeah. And, and then it shakes a little. So it's a home for a fruit cocktail. And then you can suspend, uh, well, for jello, it would be canned fruit, sugared Absolutely. only uh, in that heavy syrup. Red food dye, number two. But. What Jell-O also did is they put out recipe of Jell-O pies, uh, almost anything you can think of. Uh, and then you have Jell-O rules. <laughs> I didn't know they existed, the constitution of Jell-O. Well, but the fun part about take it is— Take a look at one while you're talking. Well, that actually, the one you're picking up is interesting because there was a very famous illustrator— around the turn of the last century, named Maxfield Parrish. Oh, yes. And they they used some of his illustrations on the cover. So not only do you have someone who would collect Jell-O, and, <laughs> and I'm sure there are some out there, but you'd also have someone who collects Maxfield Parrish. But the fascinating part about this is they were trying to sell a product. So obviously what happens is they want to make it colorful. They want to make it attractive. Uh but also, it was a product that went for a long, long time. So if you look at these, you can see how the fashion changed, the outlook on the people changed, the containers changed. So you sort of go from the turn of the century to the 20s to the 30s and 40s, and then a number of them in the 50s. I have one that's particularly pretty that is almost like uh, an Art Nouveau uh, setting. Well, they do have copyright in them. Yeah. So I'm looking at this one from 1930. Yeah. And it it, it has a picture of uh, four, you know, cartoon picture of four, look like maids, right? That's exactly. House, housekeepers. And uh, they're all handling a certain tray with certain jellos on them. But I just looked at the bottom, the, the bottom inside cover. Here's what it asks. Have you ever tried jello ice cream powder? <laughs> Ice cream powder. No, I can't say that I have. No, but uh, Jell-O salads. Oh, my Jell-O. goodness. But it's interesting because it has entrees here, too. Um, oh, of course. But, but 
they're selling the product, but one of the things is you go out and you see one of these and you go, oh, look at that. Look, look how that is. And then you realize that every time you go to a flea market, you go to a bookstore, there are going to be other pamphlets like this. And, you know, maybe it's uh, King Arthur Flower or maybe it's something else. And next thing you know, oh, wait a minute, there's another Jello, And then there's another one. And the next thing you know, you have hundreds of different Jello. <laughs> You've got Jello everywhere. Now, this particular group of Jello pamphlets, this is something that you've stocked in the store, or was this from one collection? Or? This, this happened to be from. We have even Jello cards. Oh, look uh, at that. but uh, it was. This was all in one collection, mm. but this was only a tiny portion of the collection because they collected pamphlets on Baker's chocolate. Actually, Baker's Chocolate was always a favorite of mine. This is a Boston-based chocolate company. And when I grew up in Dorchester, which is a section of Boston, the the Baker Chocolate Factory was about a mile away or a mile and a half. But when the wind blew in the right direction, uh, it filled the air with chocolate. I know it well. I used to go to Grandma's house in Dorchester, and that was the most exciting part of the trip, smelling the chocolate. And now they came out with uh, recipes in... Uh, programs, but they tended to keep the same uh, picture, the same identifying person with the with the baker's chocolate. Whereas Jello adjusted with the time, the years, the presence, and it really is interesting uh, when you see the packaging that they have that you can almost read into. Okay, how did they look at the women? How did they look right. at their dress? Uh, what type of colors did they use? Uh, and you can get deep into Jello. You know, I'm looking at these and from 1934. This one, what Mrs. Dewey did with the new Jello, and the recipes look actually quite enchanting. I mean, his cherry pie glaze, jelly Sahara, apricot, Bavarian cream. These are not simple. Well, they're simple to make, but they're not. Just black and white. These are really exotic. And they lasted for a while. Jello did last for and, a while, yes. I'll be very happy to tell you that Jello came out with a new flavor, lime. <laughs> so, so the, uh, so a lot of the coloring is all sort of light green. Yes. Uh, and probably once you get into this, you first of all, they're a couple of dollars. Maybe some are five or ten dollars. But like I say. You can go, and I'm sure you can find another one and another one and another one. And what I'm looking for someday, I didn't check this out, but this just came to me. There must be a Jello museum somewhere. Oh, there has uh, to there, be. There has to be. There with, has to be. <laughs> that you could maybe sample Jello as as you leave. And that's one of the fun things about collecting, is in some ways the little thing that you never thought you'd want, all of a sudden you like. All of a sudden, you're wondering: Is there a Jello museum, or, or or is there other Jello collectors? And also, too, once someone found would find out that you collected this, then what you would find is all your friends, when they went to a a, a show, a flea market, I think, are going to start buying these Jellos because they make white great gifts. That you don't have to spend a lot of money exactly. on. Exactly. For the person uh, who has everything and needs a Jell-O uh, right. pamphlet from 1942, this is the gift it, that keeps on giving. It's sort of like if someone has an interest in – I've had one person who had an interest in collecting pigs. 
So all of a sudden, people started every picture they could find, every little statue, and you could do this with Jello. You know what's interesting too? Um, looking at the type style and the graphics, I'm looking at one from 1961, and you can just see where by 1960, 61, they're getting a little more informal with the type style. It says here plain or festive, and it's it's in a more relaxed style, and that was. It's, it's indicative of the culture, the times, the history, whether we're at war or in a depression or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that it's interesting. When you study any type of advertising, any type of graphics, uh, oh, you, wow. you, you see the fashion that's popular at the time. You see the, uh, the type of colors they were using. Uh, here's the, the man and the woman Man sitting down to dinner in a sport coat and tie and, you know, and, and that's not a restaurant. Uh, and so what sounds like very superficial to start with, I would, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody who was teaching advertising, print, color, design, because Jell-O was an incredibly successful product, could say, let's take Jell-O, study it. I mean, actually, seriously. Mm-hmm. And see how the product was made, how it was distributed, but particularly from an advertising point of view, how you sell gelat- sweet gelatin product. Uh, and, maybe, and I'm sure that even the fact that it was fairly light and reflected light and absorbed light and really looked pretty. That- I mean, today it's it's the subject of maybe a joke to serve jello, uh, but in the old days, I mean, I remember. And we were not upper middle class even, but it was considered a very fine dessert. And then people – some of these are showing people in in beautiful gowns and having people over for dinner, servants serving them, and, and yeah, jello it, mold is the dessert. Or, or you'd have one with like almost a parfait type. You'd have yes. a jello mold, then some whipped cream, then maybe some Oh, that fruit, was really high then, living. Uh, right. But – Well, yeah. your, your, your old friend – who's somewhere above smiling down, Edward Bernays, the great uh, progenitor of public relations, would have a field day with this. Well, he would look at something like this, who he was the father of the public relations, but he would look something like this and look at Jell-O and he'd go, what type of uses could we possibly do for this? Now, this is getting a little off of Jell-O, but I remember he told me once he was working for a beer company and he was saying, what can you do with beer? How can you promote beer? How can... Oh, it would be great to support your hair and, and gives natural product. And I don't know if you've ever heard about beer shampoo. Oh, I have, yeah. That was Edward Bernays, oh, and they just did it in a session. Okay, how do you take a product, sell it differently? And I'm sure if he had been involved in Jell-O, that there would have been some dynamic thing that saved the world by eating Jell-O. The one thing I didn't bring up, and uh, I, I'm not sure if my science is correct, but isn't it uh, crushed bone? Isn't that the origin? Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> okay. it, but it tastes, you know. It, well, it, we eat a lot of things that we really don't want to know what they're made out of. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of many things, but it, it was incredibly popular. Obviously, the popularity isn't as much as it was, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if you could find – Jello somewhere. I wonder if any of these books, and we don't have time to go through them all right now, but I wonder if any of them have the the fancy restaurants would serve Jello 
that would be cubed, and you'd have different colors and want that was living. Well, uh, also you could put a shot of vodka or something oh. into the, you know. <laughs> That's where they res- resound today, <laughs> jello shots. I forgot about exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, wow. So, you know, you, the, I'm sure the company lives with the times. But what I'm also trying to say is all of a sudden you, you'd sort of walk in, you, you find one, maybe a, a, your grandmother or someone had a collection, you see it. You go, gee, wait a minute, there's another one. There's another one. And next thing you know, you've got this collection. But it's just fun. It is and, fun. And my guess is there are other Jello brochure collectors. You meet one of them and they go, oh, do you have the one? Or have you ever seen that one? Or Right. And, you know, at that level, it's just Fun. Podcasters are listening. Podcast listeners all over the world are listening. And there's somebody in East Asia who's looking for a particular Jello pamphlet. You've got it <laughs> here, or maybe somebody else has it here, or there. It's just a, it's a well. Maybe there's a Jello convention somewhere that I don't know about. It's a bouncy world out there. <laughs> well, Ken, uh, I can't wait for you to bring other collections in. I know there's a documentary on TV about Brillo pads. That one I haven't seen, but that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I mean, Andy Warhol had a field day with it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, it becomes, it's part of who we are. It's well, really who well, we are. In a way, Andy Warhol and doing the Campbell soup, he could have, in many ways, just as easily used jello from the period of the time, maybe a few years earlier. Yeah, if he were around today, he'd be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, uh, there's so much fun that we have doing this podcast, but the kind of fun we're talking about is the kind of fun that happens all day long, every day at the uh, bookshop, the Brattle Bookshop, and that is the web address, brattlebookshop.com, and you can find out all kinds of cool things, listen to previous episodes, and uh, communicate with Mr. Ken Gloss. He'd love to hear from you and love to pick up a subject matter that is interesting to you, and we could talk about it. Ken, as always, I thank you. Would you like whipped cream on yours? Uh, Yeah, with a little fruit mixed in. (laughs) Okay. You've been listening to the Brattlecast.